at this time we'll have our sermon by Mr. Steve Andrews entitled, Believe the Whole Bible. Mr. Andrews. Am I there now? I'm there now. Sounds good. I think everybody in this congregation believes what up there. Believe the whole Bible. I hope. Sure we do. But what if I got up here and I said, we need to unhitch the Old Testament from the Bible. Boy, would I ever have a firestorm in this congregation. But do you realize that there is pastor of a 34,000 member congregation, a megachurch, who is saying that right now. And he's been challenged about it. And he still is determined that they should unhitch the Old Testament. I, I got to thinking, how in the world, how do you think about this? I'm, so I was thinking about... Um, Ron and Chantel and, and, and Callie, you know, they have those carts that they, that they pull around in a trailer. It'd be just like Ron putting those carts into their trailer, very valuable, driving down the road and saying, ah, we got to unhitch this trailer and go on and just leave it behind. That's the only thing I could think of. It's like the New Testament is dragging the Old Testament behind and they've got to unhitch it. You've got to realize, and that's what I wanted to bring out today, you've got to realize how grounded the, the people that lived after Christ's resurrection were in the Old Testament. And how much the, the New Testament actually is like a commentary on the Old Testament, expanding it, helping us to understand it even more. And how valuable all of this book is, not just parts of it. And understand he even wants to get rid of some of the New Testament stuff because it kind of encroaches on, on the things that he wants to get rid of. So, we really need to be grounded in this book and understand it and, and develop a, a strong understanding, and I appreciate Art's message today, on the confidence that we have in, in, in Christ, in the Father, and in this book that has literally been down through the ages. Men have shed blood. I mean, we take it for granted today, don't we? We take this book for granted today. We don't realize, and we don't think about it very much, that men have literally shed blood to bring this book to this particular point. I mean, we have all kinds of translations here and there and things that we can go and look at, and, and we're very comfortable with that. But at one time, things were shrouded and, and, and kept away from the common man. And you remember Tyndale. He sacrificed his very life for the fact that he wanted to bring the common man to understand this book the whole story that's in it. Everything in this book. 
And at that time, back there, early Jewish Christians used the Old Testament to prove Jesus was the Messiah. Also, they went and they worshipped in the synagogues <laughs> until they were, you know, things became a little bit difficult for them to do that. But you've got to realize they were doing that. They were worshipping in the synagogues. And we see in 1 Timothy, Paul's writing to this young minister, trying to bring him along, trying to help him. Actually, I think it's in 2 Timothy, where I want to go. Yes, it is. 2 Timothy 3, verse 15. Thank you for keeping me honest on that one, if I can find it now. He says, he says to Timothy, he says, And from a child, you have known the Holy Scriptures. So what in the world is he talking about? At that particular time, what did they have? Well, they might have had some sayings of Jesus and had been orally given. They might have had some letters from Paul. But they did not have what we call the New Testament today. And when, you talk, when they talked about scriptures, they were talking about the Old Testament. He says, you have known these holy scriptures from youth, which are able to make you wise to salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. Isn't it interesting that Paul brought that out, that the scriptures are able to make us wise? So we need to be able to understand that. We need to be able to understand the first coming of Jesus Christ. And if you reject that, you reject Isaiah 53, don't you? Which helps us to understand the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. And we read that every year at the Passover because it is so very important. He says, he goes on and he says to him, all scripture then is given by inspiration of God. And others have translated that as God-breathed. Scripture is God-breathed. It's inspired by God. It's a very important thing to understand this. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. So when you go in and you study the the Psalms or the Proverbs or the Prophets or any of the Scriptures in the Old Testament, think about the doctrines that you're learning, the reproof that might come come from it, the correction that you might receive, and the instruction in righteousness from those Scriptures that you will receive. How important are they? I am going to focus on the New Testament today. And I, if, if there would have been time, we could have spent a lot of time going back and seeing how those are developed and how the, those scriptures develop into the, to the New Testament. But I don't have that kind of time to do that. And so I was thinking about what kind of areas could we, we look at. And I got to thinking, the book of Hebrews... How do you even understand the book of Hebrews if you don't understand the Old Testament? If you don't understand the first five books of the Old Testament? (laughs) It's very difficult. These people who want to get rid of the Old Testament, 
are losing out on the, the depth of understanding that comes from having an understanding of the Day of Atonement. The very foundational understanding that is, that is brought out and, and fleshed out in the book of Hebrews. And I think what I want to do today is I want to encourage all of us, not just to focus on the New Testament, which I'm doing today, but to, to, to understand where um, our faith comes from. Because the word believe really means faith. So we have faith that this is the book that God gave us to understand His way of life. And the, the righteousness that comes out of this it, the words that are given, the words of life that, that we receive from it are so very important. God, who at sundry times and in different manners spoke in times past to the fathers, of the prophets, and this is Hebrews 1, and he's, he's got it up there, has in these last days spoken unto us by his Son, whom he has appointed heir of all things, by whom also he has made the world who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person and upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had made himself, when he had by himself purged our sins, sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high. I'm not going to read everything in here because it would take a long time to go through all of these scriptures and explain everything. But I'm going to, I'm going to develop some things here and I'm hoping that, um, that it will give you an idea of how important the Old Testament or the, the, the whole book of the Bible is. Wherefore, chapter 3, verse 1, Holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling, that's us, consider the apostle and high priest of our profession, Christ Jesus, who was faithful to him that appointed him, as also Moses was faithful in his house. For this man was accounted worthy more glory than Moses inasmuch that he was also, uh, he, was, he who has built the house has more honor than the house. For every house is built by some uh, man is in italics, but that, that's understood. But he that built all things is God. And Moses verily was faithful in his house as a servant for the testimony of those things which were to be spoken of. But Christ as a son over his own house, whose house we are, if we hold fast the confidence and the rejoicing of the hope firm to the end. Okay. New Testament concepts, isn't it? Now, let's see what it says. Wherefore, as the Holy Spirit says, today, if you will hear his voice, harden not your hearts as in the provocation in the day of temptation in the wilderness. Now, how would you understand what that is talking about if you don't know what the Old Testament uh, says? If you don't understand the scriptures of the Old Testament, you've got to understand that this is talking about the children of Israel in the wilderness. And they were tempted. So that's what it's talking about. When your fathers tempted me, proved me, and saw my works forty years... Wherefore, I was grieved with that generation and said, They do always err in their heart, and they have not known my ways. So I swore in my wrath that they shall not enter into my rest. And what's the rest we're talking about? 
Well, he explains that here in just a little bit. So if you understand the scriptures, the Old Testament, you will understand what the, me what the meaning of rest is. Take heed, brethren, lest there be an, in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. To unhitch the Old Testament is to have an, an unbelieving heart. Really. Consider it. But I exhort one another daily, while it is yet called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. For we are may partakers of Christ if we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast to the end. While it is said, today, if you will hear his voice, harden not your hearts. The whole point was that they did. They hardened their hearts towards God who was there, directing them, leading them in the wilderness. It's a powerful witness for us to go back and read that, isn't it? And to understand and to not follow after that same example. For some, when they had heard, did provoke, however, not all that came out of Egypt by Moses, but with whom he was grieved forty years, was not with them that had sinned, whose carcasses fell in the wilderness, and to whom swore he that they should not enter into his rest, but that to them that believed not. So we see that they uh, could enter not, uh, could not enter in because of unbelief. And what is, what is the most important thing that we can do? It is to believe what God has written and the promises that he has laid out for us. Those are the most important things that we can do. And to follow the, the things that are written and to live by them. He says, therefore, in, verse, in chapter 4, just a few verses here, let us fear lest a promise being left us of entering into his rest, any of you should seem to come short. For to us was the gospel preached as well as to them. But the word preached not, did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in them that heard it. For we which have believed do enter into the, the rest, as he said, as I have sworn in my wrath, they shall... Uh, if they shall enter into my rest, although the works were finished from the foundation of the world. He spoke in this manner. He spoke in, in a certain place of the seventh day on this wise. And God did rest on the seventh day from all of his works. And in this place, again, he's, if they shall enter into my rest, seeing therefore it remains that some must enter therein, and they too whom was first preached, entered not in because of unbelief. And so we learn, a, we learn something from that, don't we? If we go back and we study those examples that are there, the, the things that are written about the children of Israel, we come to an understanding of how they rejected God and how many times they rejected God's direction and guidance and leadership. And how many times... God was patient with them, but also had to correct them. And again, he delimits a certain day, saying to David, Today, after so long a time, as it said, Today, if you will hear his voice, harden not your hearts. And the word Jesus is actual. Joshua had given them rest 
then would he have not afterward have spoken of another day. There shall therefore a rest, there, sh there remains therefore a rest to the people of God. A Sabbath. That's what this, is, this day is about. The rest that's coming. The kingdom of God. And it was pointing to that. The, the, the Israelites, if they had understood, God would have built his kingdom around them. And they would have reached out all over the world. And they sinned, and God rejected them. There will be a day when they'll come back. What about Hebrews 11, where he talks about all the faithful? All of those that are faithful, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, David, and many others down through the ages that have been faithful, that have understood the scriptures and have lived by them. What about the book of Acts and my namesake, Stephen? What a powerful, powerful, just becoming a deacon, just ordained, and God gave him this powerful message, and he lost his life. But think of, of what he left, and how did he do it? How did he lay the foundation? How did he help them to understand? And how did he make them mad? Because he laid the foundation of the Old Testament, of Moses, and, and of coming out of Israel, and all the things that he laid in there. I'm not going to go through it. I think most of us are very familiar with it. And I think that it's, it's a very powerful thing that we could go back and look in. And, but Stephen was, was so powerful in his message that he lost his life. He looked up, and, he, and the heavens were open, and he said, Christ at the right hand of the fathers. And they just stoned him, took him out and stoned him. But he laid the foundation of the scriptures. He laid, he believed, he understood, and he, he brought those to them. And then he told them that they had slain the one that was to come. The one that I really want to, Jesus and the Scriptures. It's very interesting. Jesus and the Scriptures. Let's go to Luke, the second chapter. I think this one is so interesting. You find this young boy doing something so profound, beginning in verse 41. Now his parents went to Jerusalem every year at the Feast of the Passover. And when he was 12 years old, they went up to Jerusalem after the custom of the feast. Now, let's say we unhitch up from the Old Testament. What is the Passover? What is the feast? I don't know. It must have been something they were doing. Is this something you know, kind of like a holiday that they had? They didn't... You would not understand if you don't have the basics, if you don't know. He was 12 years old and went, with, and went up to Jerusalem after the custom of the feast. And when they were filled, fulfilled the days and they had returned, the child Jesus tarried behind in Jerusalem. And to Joseph and his mother knew not of it. But they, supposing him to have been in the company, went a day's journey and they sought him among their kinfolk and acquaintances. 
And when they found him not, they turned back again to Jerusalem seeking him. And it came to pass after three days they found him in the temple sitting in the midst of the doctors, both hearing them and asking them questions. Now what was he asking? And what was he hearing? He wasn't hearing the New Testament part. He was listening to the scriptures, the truth, the word. And all that heard him were astonished at his understanding. He was 12 years old. And because they went to the, to the synagogue and the scriptures were read, the, you know, today the Torah is brought out and they unroll it and they read in Hebrew. Uh, I've tried. <laughs> Very difficult to read from this direction that way and to understand the letters and the things. But, and even the pronunciations, very difficult. But he understood, and he, from, from a youth of 12 years old, he understood. Of course, God the Father was giving him and also teaching and, and helping him because he had the Spirit in full measure. He said, and all heard him were astonished at his understanding and answers. And when they saw him, they were amazed. And his mother said to him, Son, why have you thus dealt with us? Behold, your father and I have sought you sorrowing. And he said to them, How is it that you sought me? Know you not that I must be about my father's business? So from a young age, he knew what he needed to do. And he was learning and developing and understanding and grace and knowledge. In Luke, the fourth chapter now. We just had this one not too long ago and very familiar with it. But I think it's also very important um, in this context to look at, at what Jesus said and how he said it. Because he went back to, his, to, to the original home and to Nazareth. And he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and he stood up for to read. And there was delivered to him the book of Isaiah. Interesting book. The book of Isaiah. Where is it located? In the Old Testament. <laughs> the book of Isaiah. Where is it? In the Old Testament. And when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach the deliverance to the captives, and recovering of the sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised, and to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. And he closed the book, and he gave it, uh, it again to the minister and sat down. And the eyes of all of them that were in the synagogue were fastened on him. And he said unto them, This day the scripture is fulfilled in your ears. He had come to them, and he was fulfilling that scripture. And all bore him witness and wondered at the gracious words which proceeded out of his mouth. And they said, is not this the Joseph's son? Remember, he's in his own, you know, where he grew up, so um, they put him down. And he said, you will surely say to me this proverb, physician, heal yourself. Whatsoever they have heard done in Capernaum, do also in your country. And he said, verily I say unto you, no prophet is accepted in his own country. 
But I tell you of a truth, many widows were in Israel in the days of Elijah when the heaven was shut up three years and six months and a great famine was throughout all the land. 1 Kings 17. You can find that if you like. Where's that found? In the Old Testament. What is he doing? He's laying the foundation. He's helping them to understand the truth of those scriptures. But none of them was Elijah sent, save Sarepta, a city of Sidon, to the woman that was a widow. And many lepers were in Israel in the time of Elisha, the prophet, and none of them was cleansed, saving Naaman, the Syrian. You can find that in 2 Kings 5 and verse 14. And all they in the synagogue that heard these things were filled with wrath. Instead of accepting Christ and understanding and really understanding the scriptures, which I'm sure they may have, but they were filled with wrath and rose up, thrust him out of the city, and led him to, um, to the brow of the hill wherein the city was built, that they might cast him headlong down. The very Savior that came to, they wanted to kill him just because he told them the truth, and they did not believe. In Matthew, the 22nd chapter. Matthew, the 22nd chapter. Beginning of verse 25. He says, now, there were... Um, let's, be, let's back up one verse saying, Master Moses said, If a man die, having no children, his brother shall marry his wife and raise a seed to his brother. Uh, you can find that in Deuteronomy, the 25th chapter. Now, there were with us seven brothers, and the first, when he had married a wife, deceased, and having no issue, left his wife to his brother. Likewise, the seven, second also, and the third and to the seventh. And the last of all the women uh, died also. Therefore, in the resurrection, whose wife shall be the seven? Uh, uh, for they um, all had her. And leave it up to <laughs> these Sadducees to come up with something like that. Jesus answered and said to them, you're, you're wrong. You do err is what it says in the Scriptures, but you're wrong and not knowing the Scriptures nor the power of God. Now what Scriptures was he talking about? <laughs> oh, that Old Testament. Yeah, that, that one there. So if this guy reads that, and, they, and they're reading it in, in, in uh, their congregation, how does he get around that? You do err, not knowing the Scriptures nor the power of God. For in the resurrection they neither marry nor are given in marriage, but are as the angels of God in heaven. But as touching the resurrection of the dead, have you not read that which was written, uh, was spoken of, uh, spoken to you by God, saying, "I am the God of Abraham, and the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. God is not the God of the dead, but of the living." Where did he get that? Exodus three verse six, right out of the scriptures, brethren. And everybody that has a margin or anything. Uh, mine doesn't really have a margin, but any time that there's something interesting, there'll be a little scriptural notation there. And so, 
That's how I'm able to bring those particular ones to you. How did Jesus defeat Satan? Uh, well, a lot of eloquent speech. Talked a lot. Said a lot of things. No. No, that wasn't what he did. This is one of the most powerful things that, the, that is written in, in, the, in the Bible. This meeting between the great evil and the great good, the great righteousness and the great evil, and the temptation that happened in the wilderness as Jesus was fasting for 40 days. And towards the end of it, he was so hungry. But the Spirit must have been so powerful, so strong within him, and he understood what he had to do. He said, in verse 3, the tempter came to him and said, If you be the Son of God, command these stones to be made into bread. But he answers, as written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Deuteronomy 8, verse 3. Reaching into the Scriptures for the power that is there. To defeat the evil one, Satan. Then the devil took him up into the holy city and set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, If you be the Son of God, cast yourself down for this written. He shall give his angels charge concerning you in their hands. They shall bear you up, lest at any time you dash your foot against the stone. And Jesus said, It is written. Again, you shall not tempt the Lord your God. Deuteronomy 6, verse 16. And again the devil took him up into the exceedingly high mountain, showed him all the kingdoms of the world and the glory of them, and said unto him, All these will I give you if you will fall down and worship me. Oh boy, what a temptation. And where did Jesus reach? Right up to those fantastic, powerful scriptures. And he said, Get you from hence, Satan, for it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and Him only shall you serve. Deuteronomy 6, verse 13. And the devil left him, and behold, angels came and ministered to him. It says in one of the other scriptures that he was tempted for 40 days. This is just the synopsis of that temptation. From the day that he walked into the wilderness, Satan was tempting him for 40 days. And I am sure that he was so powerful with these scriptures that by the time that Satan had heard the last one, he was ready to leave. He couldn't stand it any longer. That is so powerful. So what do we know about the scriptures? Why are they there? Well, Paul gives us a good understanding. Beginning in in 1 Corinthians, the 10th chapter. Moreover, brethren, I would not that you should be ignorant how that all of our fathers were under the cloud and all passed through the sea and were all baptized to Moses in the cloud and in the sea and did all eat the same spiritual meat 
And did all drink the same spiritual drink, for they drank the spiritual rock that followed them, and that rock was Christ. But with many of them God was not well pleased, for they were overthrown in the wilderness. Now these things were for our examples, to the intent that we should not lust after evil things as they also lusted. So how do you know if you don't go back and you don't search the scriptures about what they lusted after? We know from, what, from, from our study that when they first came to the, to the mountain, what did they do? Moses went up to, to, to receive the, the Ten Commandments. What did they do? They built a calf to worship. And when Moses came down off of that mountain, he was furious. And he took those tablets that were written by God and threw them at them and destroyed them. And then he made them take that calf and destroy it and put it in the water and drink it. And then he went back up and he had another set. But you wouldn't know that if you just read that. You wouldn't know what they had done and how they had well, unless you watch the Sessual B. DeMille movie or something like that, you know, the Ten Commandments. But we learn from the, the Word, from the truth, from the, the Bible. Now, these things were for our example to the intent that we should not lust after the evil things that they lusted after. Neither be you idolaters as some of them, as it is written, the people sat down to eat, drink, and rose up to play. Neither let us commit fornication, as some of them committed and fell in one day, three and twenty thousand. Neither let us tempt Christ, as some of them also tempted and were destroyed of the serpents. Neither murmur you, as some of them murmured and were destroyed of the destroyer. So all of these things happened in the wilderness. And God was over them, and he corrected them, and he... He, he, he loved them, but they never obeyed. I mean, they were obedient, but they were not believers. They did not believe because they still went astray. Now, all these things happened to them for examples, and they are written for our admonition, for our instruction. If we don't read, if we don't see, if we don't look at it, we will not know upon whom the ends of the world are come. Since that very time, since this has been written, those are so very important for us to understand. He says, um, Wherefore let him that thinks he stands, lest he fall. He says, There's no temptation taking you, but such is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that you are able. But will with that temptation also make you a way to escape, that you may be able to bear it. He says, Wherefore, my, de- uh, my dearly beloved, flee from idolatry. Exodus 17, verse 6. And that's only a very small part of all that is in the scriptures about the Old Testament. How they, they amplify, but they don't replace. They amplify. They help us to understand Paul's amplification 
of the resurrection is so wonderful, of the Spirit, understanding it. But all of that was in the Scriptures. But he's just amplifying it. So, we need what? To believe the whole Bible. 